Hi there, and welcome to the Simply Living for Him podcast. I'm Karen DeBuse from Simply Living for Him. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Simply Living for Him podcast. On this podcast, I talk about all things simple, whether it's life out here on our little hobby farm, how I keep things simple in our homeschool, or you'll always just hear a lot about Jesus, because I truly do believe the remedy for clutter and chaos in our world is Jesus. The more we desire him, the less we naturally desire the things of this world and the easier it is to live more simply. So thank you for joining me today. We're going to tackle some homeschooling questions on the podcast today. I meant to do a Facebook live this week. No, not Facebook, Instagram live this week. And I'm a huge Instagram live fail. I like to use Instagram. I like to use Instagram stories and somehow the live feature always gets away from me. So anyway, I figured I would just probably be better off doing these questions in a, in a podcast episode. I spoke this week at a lovely homeschooling event, and afterwards it just got me thinking because I met so many people there that were either not even homeschooling yet or really just starting out, and it got me thinking about um, some things about homeschooling that I wanted to address and just a lot of questions that people have had over the years. And so I asked my Instagram followers to submit some questions. So I'm going to answer those as well today. And uh, we'll get started in just a minute. I first want to thank my podcast sponsor, Apologia. Apologia is an amazing publisher of homeschooling resources, of uh, parenting resources, of Christian resources for your family. Please go check them out at Apologia.com. We love their science curriculum. Their health and nutrition curriculum for high schoolers is amazing. And they have something for all ages and all different um, types of resources. So go check them out, apologia.com. So, like I said, we're going to tackle some homeschooling questions over the years that I've been asked. I've been asked a million different questions, a a million different ways. Um, And so I'm going to try to tackle some of them. On this episode, it may need two episodes, who knows, because, you know, there's a lot. (laughs) But if you have questions that I don't answer and you're listening, I would love for you to still comment and write in your questions, email me, wherever you're seeing this, uh, comment and let me know your questions. I'm always happy to answer whether it's privately or whether I do another Um, podcast or someday one of those live videos out there. I would love to help homeschooling families. My ministry was birthed out of my passion for sharing about homeschooling. And, um, you know, originally I was basically just blogging about homeschooling, but over the years it's sort of evolved. And I I really do try to reach an audience of all women, um, And I guess families, I would say, that want to follow Jesus. But I do know that there's a great portion of you out there who do know me from the homeschooling community, from speaking at homeschooling conventions, from writing homeschooling books. And so even if you're listening and you're not a homeschooler, I would hope that you would get a lot out of this episode just to get to know my heart behind homeschooling a little more. Maybe you don't know much about homeschooling, so hopefully I can educate you about that as well. And maybe you're on the fence. Maybe you're out there and you're thinking about homeschooling or you're praying about it and hopefully I can answer some of those questions as well so I did ask a few people I mean I did ask my Instagram followers and some people sent in questions I also wrote down 
like the most asked questions that I get all the time. And so I'm going to go through this list of questions about homeschooling. And like I said, this week I spoke at a homeschool event, which was really cool because this was a local homeschooling support group, which actually I have to say, if you have a homeschooling support group in your area and you're a homeschooler, go join because I just love the whole idea. This is a great group, very established. They get together for their monthly meetings. Sometimes they have speakers. They fellowship together, support each other, have different events going on. I would encourage you to find one in your area. I never belonged to a homeschool support group per se, so um, it's something I definitely think I would have benefited from greatly, especially in the early years. Uh, for those of you listening, you know that I have four kids that we homeschool, ages ranging from 10 to just about 18. One is getting ready to graduate. We've been homeschooling from the very beginning. Um, but yes, I spoke at this con uh, a convention. It was just an event, a local support group on Monday night. And um, it was a really cool because some uh, this event was put on by this support group that was the very first in-person group that I ever spoke at. I want to say maybe eight years ago when I began my speaking um, engagement career. But, um, you know, I had started speaking. The first time I ever spoke was an online conference when I spoke about homeschooling. I was invited to speak at an online conference. And that was scary, but I really enjoyed it. I loved the feedback and being able to share my views about simplifying homeschool. And so um, through that, I started to branch out and some local uh, groups that first year invited me to come speak at their homeschooling groups specifically in my area. And this one that I went to this week was the very first in-person event that I ever went to. And it was really cool to go back to that group um, this week and to see, my goodness, what God has done through this ministry. I started speaking at those local events and next was state events. And, you know, now, you know, I speak nationally at different events. And it's just, it's just been an amazing journey, this homeschooling journey and speaking and ministry and all that. So it was really cool to go full circle back to this group. But what I found was that afterwards, I was chatting with many of the moms many of them were there just checking it out, which I thought was so cool. They, they weren't even homeschooling. They were just checking it out. And some of their questions, you know, I forget. I feel like, oh, everybody has heard me say the same things a million times, right? And there's this whole new group of, you know, homeschoolers that is constantly evolving, new, new ones coming in. And they do not have a lot of their questions answered. And I think my ministry becomes even more important then because they're the ones that are like bogged down by, whoa, I Googled homeschooling online to get some resources and I don't even know where to begin, right? And my whole ministry, my heart and my desire is always to point people to Jesus and be like, look, take a deep breath. Let's get rid of all the distractions. Let's get rid of all the stuff that everybody's telling you. And let's really seek Jesus first and foremost before you do anything in your homeschool. So it was really great for me to be able to encourage these moms that are just thinking about it or just starting out to focus on Jesus first things first, like before you go Googling, before you figure out curriculum, before you um, jump into this thing, really seek the Lord. And it's amazing how many people are like, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. <laughs> and I'm like, oh wow, this is why my message is needed more 
than ever, I think, is really, you know, if you've read Called Home, my book um, all about letting God lead you and surrendering and submitting to God um, in your homeschool. And so I really want to encourage homeschoolers that are brand new, homeschoolers that are thinking about it, homeschoolers that have been in it a while. Seek the Lord first in all you do. Measure everything you're going to do in your homeschool against what his word says, not what the world says. You know, don't try to recreate Pinterest in your house. Just follow God. Don't clutter up your homeschool with all these things that aren't necessary. Don't get distracted by all the voices telling you what to do, how to do it, why to do it. Solely listen to his voice first. And so that's always been my mission and it will continue to be. So that being said, um, we all know now that we're going to seek God first and everything. And even with answering these questions and even in listening to me speak about homeschooling, I say this all the time. Ultimately, don't listen to me. Listen to God, right? I'm just a person that loves homeschooling and loves to share my journey and loves to encourage other moms. But really, your homeschooling journey is between you and God. So I would be so thrilled if anything I say blesses you or encourages you or you can glean from it. But most importantly, I hope what I do points you to Jesus. And that's why I do what I do. So listen to him above everyone, even me, because I'm certainly no expert. I'm just a girl who loves Jesus and loves homeschooling. So the first question I'm going to answer is, how long have you been homeschooling? Pretty basic question. Many of you know the answer. Um, We have been homeschooling for 13 years. I have four kids, like I mentioned in the beginning. Right now, their age is 10 to 18. And we began homeschooling when the 18-year-old was just starting kindergarten when she was five years old. And um, it's been an amazing journey, one that hasn't always been easy, that's for sure, but it has been a hundred million trillion percent worth it. I am thrilled that we answered the call to homeschool. You can hear our story for lack of time. I'm not going to tell the whole story on this episode. I've told it many times, but you can hear the whole story on the episode, The Unlikely Homeschooler, and I will link to that in the episode webpage for this podcast episode. Um, But The Unlikely Homeschooler tells all about our struggles in the beginning, how I answered the call of homeschooling um, from God, not because I wanted to homeschool. I didn't even know about homeschooling. I didn't, I mean, I knew about it, but basically what I knew about homeschooling was the Duggars on TV. Like I did not know very much about it, but God called me to this journey. We got through many, many obstacles and here we are 13 years later and I plan on, yes, continuing homeschooling until the very end, until the 10-year-old graduates. However, I always say, I will only do what God tells me to do, and I don't expect him to, but if he did tomorrow tell me to put my kids in school, I would do it because my goal is to follow God and to truly follow him in everything. Um, I kind of hope he wouldn't do that, but (laughs) uh, I love homeschooling, but I am absolutely 100% committed to following him wherever he leads us. So yes, we've been homeschooling for 13 years. Um, Here's like one of the number one questions I used to get asked. I haven't been asked it recently, but I was asked it actually this week uh, by a mom just thinking about it. And it just kind of took me back to like, oh, wow, I haven't been asked this one in a while, but people really want to know. Are you a teacher or were you a teacher? They always say, did you go to college to be a teacher? Were you a teacher? And I'm like, nope. 
And then they give you that look like, oh, so then how do you know how to do this? And I'm like, because I'm their mom. And, you know, this question I definitely used to get asked a lot. I think because people know more about homeschooling nowadays and understand it a little bit better, they don't ask it. But, you know, clearly it's on some people's minds. There's this thought that if you weren't a trained teacher, you can't possibly homeschool your children. But that's like comparing apples and oranges because a teacher in a public classroom or a private school classroom is trained for that purpose. And you, as a mom, are trained for the purpose to raise your children at home. God will equip you. So you do not need to be a teacher. You do not need a teaching degree. I always say, you know, a teacher in a classroom setting is trained to teach, you know, 25 children at once. I have four kids at home, right? In the beginning, it was only three. And really, in the beginning, we only started with one at a time. So, you know, it's, um, it's like I said, comparing apples and oranges. Um, a trained teacher is trained for that setting. And I believe that I am equipped for my children at home. There's no one who loves them more. There's no one who wants them to su- succeed more. There's no amount of sacrifices too great I will make for um, their good. And so... Um, I am not a trained teacher. I actually went to school for, I have a degree in, get this, home economics, which I never thought I would. Well, it's home economics with a concentration in nutrition, which I was always like, oh, I'll never, I I never used my degree. And then I realized, wait, I'm a mom. I'm using it every day. Um, But yeah, I worked in in the workforce for a very short time. We got married right out of college and had kids right away. So I haven't necessarily used that degree very long in the workplace. Um. But I certainly have used it at home here, being a homemaker and a homeschooling mom. So, yes, I am not a trained teacher. And I also tell people all the time, the curriculum that is available, you don't need to be a trained teacher to use it, right? You can basically set, I mean, you can, as we all know, there are so many ways to go about homeschooling. You can set up your child each day on the computer and have a teacher teach them every single day. Um, Or you can be more like us where I I am teaching my children, but the curriculum guides you. Um, There are so many resources available to you. If you struggle, there's co-ops that can help you with classes that maybe you don't feel comfortable teaching or you feel that your child needs a separate teacher. There's a million different ways to go about this journey of homeschooling, but you do not need to be a teacher. You do not need to have a degree. Um, Now, I will say that in my state, I have zero requirements to homeschool my children. I don't have to tell anybody what I'm doing. I don't have to report to anybody what I'm doing. I don't know specifically. There may be some states where you may need to um, have some sort of qualification. So I don't want to speak about that if I'm not 100% sure. So check out your state always. But I'm pretty sure there is no state that tells you you need to be a teacher. Uh, Maybe you need to have a high school or college diploma or something like that. But That is, again, something you need to research with your state, and you could always go to HSLDA to find out all of the state requirements. Um, So talking about me saying there's a lot of resources and ways to go about it and curriculum helps, that brings me to my next question. What curriculum do I use? Now, I was asked on Instagram, what high school curriculum do I use? So I'm going to kind of answer that question as well. I'm going to talk about, you know, different curriculum for different ages, etc. Basically, I was a curriculum junkie early on. We used like everything you can imagine. (laughs) 
I was the mom that I'm sure you guys out there can relate was constantly floundering in the beginning. This one looks great. That one looks great. Let's change. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, you know, really not benefiting anybody by doing that early on, except that it does help you find your groove. I'd say after the first, you know, year, two, three, you really should try to not change every year because it's not consistent and it's not um, giving your child a chance to even really see how things work. So for the most part, we would stick with certain things like all the time. For example, we always used Matthew C for math when my kids were younger. We have changed things up in high school, and I'll get to that in a minute. But that was basically from, you know, uh, early on, like from first grade, because I don't think we used a formal kindergarten curriculum. I know, horrors uh, for math. But um, first grade and on, and actually my 10th grader is doing Matthew C. still. Um, He has been sticking with it. But so... um, We did not use uh, anything different from that because it was working, it was comfortable, there was no reason to look at anything else. Do I know that there's other things out there that are better? Yes. You know, there's always something better, I feel like. Did things come along all the time? People would be like, oh, there's this great new thing, or my child's doing great math, you should try this. I'm like, nope, 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 we're doing, we're sticking to what works. Um, So there's also been apologia for science, which we have always always used for my kids from early on up until the high school years. Um, I will say that the high school years have been extremely challenging in a good way. Like it's been, it's been good to have that really rigorous coursework. Um, but there is a tendency for us to maybe not use it for certain children who I know aren't going to go into science and I know are struggling Um, with the rigorous academics of it. So, you know, I have kind of veered a little bit differently with one particular child. But for the most part, always stuck with Apologia Science. Love the biblical base. I love the people behind Apologia. And I'm not just saying that because they sponsored this podcast. I absolutely would tell you that regardless. (laughs) Um, So yes, they do sponsor my podcast. And it's a huge blessing to help keep this podcast going. But I must say that Regardless, I would tell you um, honestly, 100% love the people behind it, love the people that are involved with Apologia, um, and love the coursework, love the biblical basis, love it all, especially in the younger years. And Apologia is really great if you have uh, children all different ages. We always used it up until sixth grade for whatever ages like you could use it for a first a third and a fifth at the same time you just can kind of gear maybe assignments or a little bit of extra stuff experiments whatever towards the older ones you can give them a little extra work you can kind of give the younger ones you know little coloring pages to go with it they have notebooks a junior notebook and a regular notebook that go along with them So it's an excellent, excellent science curriculum that you don't need to have a separate one for each grade. Like I said, up until the middle school years, we used Apologia across the board for all the uh, different grade levels. We used it and we did it together. And those are some of my sweetest memories with the kids, doing reading the science and, um, you know, experiments and just conversations. Like, you know, it's just, it's a great, it's a great... um, resource. So the other curriculum that we have used over the years is uh, sunlight. Somewhat, I always say. I don't follow the exact plan. We have not used it like regularly 
Um, I will say that I did use it for my first grader when my 18-year-old now was a first grader. And it was way too much for her at the time. I totally got in over my head with it in the younger years because it is quite reading intensive and rigorous. But at that age, since she wasn't able to read all the read-alouds on her own and mommy had to read everything to her, um, it was intense because I was also, it was the same year I was pregnant and having a baby. So that was not the year to jump into a a full-blown, like, hardcore curriculum. That was the year to be like, all right, you know, science is watching mommy diaper the baby (laughs) I don't know you know what I mean so anyway so for the early years it was a little much for us but we have enjoyed it for high school so somebody asked what curriculum I use for high school again we have kind of changed each year depending on um, what I want my kids to study that year and circumstances or just how each child learns but sunlight has been my favorite I would say for high school, we used the modern uh, world history and she really, really got the most, I think, out of that year, she even said, than any other um, curriculum. So definitely for high school, definitely if you have a reader in your house, you know, my son is not quite the reader that my daughter is like doesn't enjoy it as much it would take him much longer you can still modify it like I've I've done it like that's just why I say somewhat I've done it where I've um kind of said okay these are the books we're going to do and these are the assignments and I pick and choose um but that becomes complicated when I try to pick and choose and cut up the curriculum it just it gets complicated so um you know if you're up for that then you can do that as well. But some of you might just be like, too much work. I get it. We also used one year in our homeschool. Many of you know this. No curriculum. Say what? (laughs) Actually, we are in the middle of making an e-course that is going to be available in, I think, two weeks. I cannot wait to make this available. That will talk about the year we didn't use curriculum. It's an e-course that is going to teach you how we used the Bible as our main textbook for one year in our homeschool. We didn't use any history, science, literature, language, uh, writing, grammar, spelling. We did use math. That's why I say our main textbook, not our only. We did use math. And of course, we supplemented what we were reading in the Bible with lots of resources, but they were all available at the library and, you know, used on Amazon and stuff like that and DVDs and stuff on online. So it was an amazing year. That was the year that my children, I think, were in preschool up until fifth or no preschool up until sixth grade. We used the Bible as our main textbook for the entire year. Everything we learned came out of our studies in the Bible, our spelling lessons, our language lessons, our writing assignments, um, our read-alouds came from topics that we were studying in there. I would find books that had to do with what we were studying, Um, our history, our science, most amazing year ever in our family. And so you can stay tuned because in two weeks, the podcast will be talking about how we um, use the Bible as our family, uh, in our family now, and how we how we built our firm foundation on the Bible. And then that e-course will also be available. I'm really excited for that. So we use that one year, the Bible as our main textbook. Let's see, I'm trying to think what else we've used over the years. We have used Mystery of History. We have enjoyed that. Um, Oh, early on, we used Truth Quest History uh, for American history when the kids were young. 
Again, it's basically a book list of all kinds of books to read. Like say we were studying the pilgrims and it would give you all kinds of books to read. Loved that. Um, so those were some of our favorites. I will link into the episode webpage for this episode um, a list of resources of things that we have used over the years because I have a post about that on Bible-based homeschooling. Um, like I said, for high school, somebody had asked what we use for high school. We're still using Matthew C. Some of it's pieced together, like Matthew C. We're using Apologia. Um, Sunlight has been a favorite in high school. We tried Ambleside freshman year of high school, and I think the reason it didn't work well for us is because we tried to jump in at high school level and had never used it before. Um, It was excellent. It's a lot of reading. It's challenging. It was excellent, but it was a little bit hard for us to sort of jump in after we hadn't used it at all for the elementary or middle school years. Um, I'm trying to think if I answered that question fully. I think I did. But of course, if you have questions about curriculum, you can um, always write me. I do want to stress I do want to stress this. Do not stress about curriculum. It is important what you choose, of course. But don't rely on the curriculum more than you rely on God. And you really need to understand that if you are homeschooling, it's because God called you to homeschool. And God is going to equip you. But you need to be seeking him in every decision. Before you choose curriculum, you need to pray. Before you get so wrapped up in curriculum being the be-all, end-all, and the answer to everything, remember that God is the be-all, end-all, and answer to everything, right? When you start to feel like the curriculum isn't working, I must switch, my friend said this one is better, blah, 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 and you're getting all um, you know, worked up in choosing the best, the best, the best, remember they're all good. We have an amazing amount of resources these days. Choose something that works and stick with it as long as you're following God. If you're teaching your kids about God first and everything, that's the most important thing you can do before making all those curriculum choices. Pray over your curriculum. Seek God's will for your family. Don't leave him out of the planning. He should be the center of the planning and of your curriculum. Somebody also asked me the question, what do I think of virtual school? Well, my answer to that is we've never used it. So I can't really give an answer because I don't have any experience. But I will say the same thing I say for everything. Seek God. If he's, asked, if he's, t- if he's leading you down that path, then you're good to go, right? If that's where God is leading you, then by all means, follow, follow after him. And virtual school may be the answer for your family. It has never been the answer for my family. I don't know anything about it. So I can't really give my honest opinion because I don't have experience with it. My only, you know, recommendation for virtual school, curriculum, homeschooling in itself, everything is seek God. You know, we go to everybody else. We want their answers. I can't, I can't tell you what works for your family, but God can And, you know, he's not, like I always say this too, you're not going to open the Bible and he's going to be like, use virtual school. (laughs) But if you're, don't you wish it was that easy, right? But if you're like, you know, if you're in the word and you have a good relationship with the Lord and you're seeking him and you're communicating with him, you're going to recognize his voice. You're going to be able to discern what is, you know, where he's leading you. And so... You need to start with building your foundation and your relationship with God. 
and then see where he leads. See, we get it all backwards. We're like, oh, we have to find the right curriculum. We have to choose what way to homeschool, what style, what method, all that stuff. And then we'll pray about those choices and ask God, you know, to bless it. Please let this be the way. That's not how it works. Your relationship with God is first and foremost, and then he will lead you down the path for your family. Very important to remember that. Okay, somebody else asked me the question, how do you thrive or really even survive probably with young ones or when you're stuck in the house in the winter um, with pregnancy or illness? Um, you know, how do you thrive in all that kind of chaos? And my answer would be, first of all, it's a season. And I know everybody's like, oh, that's a terrible answer. That's cliche. It's true, though, because I can say that because I'm out of that season now, right? Well, when you have very young ones, very young ones, and say you have a whole bunch of them at once, it can be very daunting, this homeschooling thing. And you're like, I'm never going to get this done. But I promise you, in the younger years, the books are not the most important thing. You know, people ask me, what's the best preschool curriculum for my child? I'm like, preschool? You, mom, you're the curriculum. Looking your child in the eye and answering all of their questions. You know how many why questions you get all day long? Why, 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 why? How come? Because why? That's the curriculum. That's how they're learning. And a mom who like gets down to their level, looks them in the eye and answers those questions lovingly, and points to God in all of those answers, that's the curriculum right there. They're going to learn more by conversing with you, engaging with you, having a relationship with you, and a relationship that points them to the Lord in everything than any book in the early years. And I've seen this because now that we're on, you know, our fourth uh, child coming up through the, the ranks here of, you know, schooling, that we were very, very informal in his early years. And he's doing just fine. He's doing, in fact, amazingly well because he has learned so much from real life, from discussions, from being immersed in real life every day, right? People say, how are your kids going to learn to live in the real world someday? I'm like, they're not going to learn to live in the real world someday. You know, they say, if you homeschool, you're sheltering them to the real world. I'm like, they're living in the real world every single day. <laughs> they're immersed in real life right now, not someday. So they see how the world works on a daily basis. They see how mommy and daddy function on a daily basis. And they learn so much just from you. So if you have young ones and you're feeling like so overwhelmed, if you're somebody, you know, this question said, if you know, you're in the middle of a pregnancy or winter illnesses, those are the times to just snuggle on the couch Remember I said earlier that we chose to use, you know, big rigorous, rigorous curriculum when my daughter was in first grade and I was pregnant and having a baby. That was dumb. That was not smart on my, on my part because once the baby was born and I wasn't sleeping and I'm nursing around the clock and, you know, you're, you're, you're totally immersed in this newborn. When she would bring me that big giant binder of sunlight's schedule I just wanted to die. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't, I can't possibly do all this, like read these books and do these assignments. And oh my goodness. And I set myself up to fail that year. In fact, I went and looked at the local Christian school that year because I thought, well, I can't do this. But then I was reminded 
Yes, I can. God called me to this and he'll equip me. Maybe this isn't the year we go overboard with the academics. First of all, it was first grade, right? And maybe this is the year that we enjoy snuggling on the couch, learning about, you know, the baby, learning about, you know, this beautiful gift that God has given our family. They're going to learn tons of life skills if you've got a baby in the house. That's for sure. If you're in a season where it's like winter and you're stuck inside and everybody's sick and all that, you know, you can really use that time. You can watch educational DVDs. You can uh, snuggle up together and just read. It's okay. There's going to be plenty of time later. Trust me, I've walked through it now. As the kids get older and mature, it changes. You do not have to pile on all these rigorous academics early on. I promise you. We laugh because I even just asked my kids yesterday. I wanted my 10-year-old to start studying John James Audubon. And I just said to my kids yesterday, remember when we studied Audubon and we read all the books about him and we looked at all the bird pictures and we learned every detail about Audubon? And they literally were like, yeah, kind (laughs) of. Oh my goodness. So I'm promising you, you don't have to do it all in the early years. Your kids need you most of all. I've also talked about this. I'll link this one as well in the episode webpage. Being a seasonal homeschooler, I've learned over the years that there's different seasons and different rhythms to our homeschool year. And so, you know, in the fall, I know that we are all high energy and motivated because it's all new. The novelty is like, oh, the new school year. This is going to be the best year ever. And so I know that in September, I can pile on the schoolwork and we can do the ambitious activities, whether it's, you know, experiments or crafts or the extras. I then know that come Christmas time, we're just going to get the bare minimum done (laughs) because, you know, we're going to be involved in the Christmas preparation, which is still educational and life lessons. Um, And then I know come January, we're going to be stuck inside because it's going to be snowing and it's going to be cold. And so then I can plan stuff that I'm not going to want to do once it's nice outside. Then you can plan lots of crafts for January and lots of indoor stuff. But again, I don't get too overly ambitious because I know our motivation is down at that time. So I kind of plan more hands-on fun stuff um, in that month. And then knowing that once spring gets here and the sun is out, forget hands-on stuff inside. We're going to want to be outdoors. Plan your field trips. Plan different things outside. So do you see what I mean? You can make your year fit into your lifestyle and into the different seasons instead of constantly feeling like you're at battle with the circumstances of life just go with those circumstances and teach from them and I hope that makes sense to you but really this is something I have learned and it kind of changed everything for me stop trying to be so ambitious you know at Christmas time or stop trying to um you know do all these crafts and things when the kids just want to get outside so really plan your year around the rhythm of your family all right next question Is everyone called to homeschool? That's a question I used to get asked a lot because I wrote the book called Home, which talks about the calling of homeschool. I'll actually be speaking at that about that this uh, spring at the homeschooling conventions. Um, That's going to be one of my sessions about the calling of homeschool. Do I believe I was called? 100% absolutely. Do I believe homeschooling is the best thing for everyone? Yes, but, 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 there's a but. 
I'm not going to go as far as to say that what God is calling you to do or that everybody should homeschool because do I think they should? Yes. <laughs> but I can't. That's between you and God, right? I am not playing God in your life. That needs to be something that you truly feel God is calling you to because perhaps he's not. I can't say that every single person is called to this, right? Because we all have our different mission fields. We all have our different purposes. Perhaps God is calling you at one season and not another. The only person who can discern that calling is you. And it goes back to what I said before. You must be walking with the Lord closely and building that relationship you have with him so that you can discern and hear his voice and know for sure if you are being called to homeschool. All right, next question. My family opposes homeschooling. I don't know what to do. You know, every time I get together with them, they're quizzing the kids on what they know or they're, you know, giving us the cold shoulder. Uh, high five, I hear you because I've been there. My family completely opposed us wholeheartedly in the early years, I will say. Again, if you listen to The Unlikely Homeschooler, you hear that, you'll hear that story. I would like to say, though, that God can do anything. My family was 100% opposed to me homeschooling in the early years, and they took about 10 years, but they are now 100% thinking that homeschooling is the best thing in the world. So God can change hearts. However, that may not happen for you. Your family may always be opposed to you. This is where that strong foundation comes in with God. You must be 100%, you know, um, standing on what God is calling you to do, or you will flounder. You will listen to the voices that are telling you you shouldn't do this. When I first decided to homeschool, the only reason I stepped out in faith was because God was calling me to. There wasn't anything else on my side, right? I wasn't organized enough. I wasn't a teacher. I wasn't maybe disciplined enough to do this. I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, my family was against me, all these things. But yet, let me introduce you to my God. Because he is the one who equipped me. And he is the one who called me. And the sole reason I stepped out in faith and didn't listen to fear and didn't listen to the opposition was because I knew from being in the scripture and reading the word and praying and talking with God that I must follow him no matter what. I must follow God no matter what, even when it looks crazy. Even when it looks like, why would you want me to do this? This doesn't make sense. Guess what? 13 years later for me, it makes 100% sense. It didn't make sense then, but God knew what he was doing. So if you have family opposition, I am right there with you. I know how hard it is. This is where that strong, firm foundation in the Lord comes in. You must seek his will, and not listen to what everyone else says. Whether they come around or not, that's between them and God. God will change their hearts, maybe, hopefully, but not guaranteed. But if you are following God, that's where you want to be. I always say this to my kids. We only want to be where God wants us to be. We only want to be in the will of God. Do not say no to homeschooling if God is calling you because you're afraid of the opposition. In fact, that's the reason you should say yes. Because then you know that you're not doing this in your own strength, but in God's strength. And I've been there. I get it. I know. If you need any advice about that further, you are 
welcome to email me anytime because I've walked that path and it's not an easy one, but God can equip you. All right, two more questions I have. What about college? Are you um, are you sending your homeschool kids to college? Well, that looks different for everyone. As you guys know, I just did an episode two weeks ago from kindergarten to college. My oldest is graduating and she is going to college. Do I feel that is going to be the path for all of my kids? I don't know yet. Again, we only want to be where God wants to be. So what we do in high school is we pray that as we get closer to that senior year and those decisions, that we are walking in God's will. Could it be a gap year? Could it be community college? Could it be public college? Could it be Christian college? Whatever it is, we only want to be where God wants us to be. And if it's no college, again, wherever God wants us to be. So you must, must, must seek his will. But absolutely 100% homeschoolers go off to college. In fact, they do very well in college. There's tons of articles out there on Google that tell you that colleges want homeschoolers, you know, so there is absolutely 100% no problem with getting into college. My daughter had no problem getting into the two colleges she applied to, in fact, getting scholarships, etc. So do not fear that your homeschooler will not succeed in college. And the last question, which as homeschoolers, we all know is ridiculous, but I will address it because I promise you there are still people that ask this question. What about the socialization? Well, what about it? My kids are beyond well socialized. Um, They have their great tight knit group of friends. And in fact, I'm glad they're not socialized like the world. And I am glad that their socialization has come from um, our little protective bubble. You know, those people say, oh, you're living a bubble. Well, actually, yeah, I do protect my kids, you know, from things. And so I'm very, very grateful to see how this whole socialization thing has panned out because I remember asking myself the very same question 13 years ago. What about their socialization? They have amazing friends that are all, you know, walking the same walk and wanting to follow the Lord. And um, I have enjoyed thoroughly my teenagers because they are they're just amazing people they're amazing young women and young men and um our relationship is very close so their socialization may not look like the socialization that goes on in public schools but then again i don't really want that kind of socialization i've loved that we've been involved in a weekly program for homeschoolers where they spend the day and that's really where they have made their friends and their little social groups and things like that and you know what the same kind of stuff can go on maybe in a little different way. You know, there can be drama and all that kind of stuff. But the wonderful thing is you can sort of oversee it. You're involved more in your children's lives and their friends' lives. That's a beautiful thing too. Our families are often friends together. So we're close with the other families. So when issues arise or drama or the usual teenage stuff, there's much more parental involvement and it sort of um, doesn't make it as icky as the stuff that can go on maybe when your children are sort of absent from you most of the day. So I have no problem with socialization. In fact, we have often said our kids are too busy and involved in too many activities. So there is absolutely not even a question of the socialization issue. Most people will say when they meet my children, and I know I've heard this from other homeschoolers, that they are, you know, so mature and that they can 
really interact with adults down to babies, right? They have a really good ability to interact with all different ages because they weren't necessarily grouped with their own age every single day. So it's a beautiful thing to watch a homeschooler be socialized in a beautiful way. So I hope those questions um, were helpful. That is certainly not an exhaustive list. That is just a teeny tiny little glimpse. But those are questions that I've been asked most. Uh, I would love to hear what questions you have for me. I would love to answer them. Maybe I'll get on one of these live videos one of these days. But for now, I thought I'd do this podcast. If there are a lot of questions, I could try to do another podcast um, episode. Coming up this month, I am really excited on the podcast. Like I said, we're going to talk about using the Bible in your family and building a firm foundation in a few weeks. I'm also having some special guests coming up on the podcast this month. So stay tuned and listen for that. Also, don't forget, in March, the second week of March is our target date, but I don't have the date set yet to really announce firmly. We are looking to launch the Bible-based homeschooling e-course, which will be available for purchase. And this is going to be a guide that breaks it down into tons of little videos so that you can really see how we broke down each subject. I'm answering all the questions that I've gotten over the years about Bible-based homeschooling. It's going to show you how we scheduled things. There are free downloadable resources to go with it. And one other beautiful thing that will come with the e-course is a membership to a private Facebook group so that you can interact with other families looking to um, pursue maybe trying to use the Bible as your main textbook. It could be for a week. It could be for a month. It could be a year. You know, it may look different in every family. The video course is not intended to be a curriculum, but a guide that will hopefully be um, something that you can use if you are interested in doing that in your family. It was the most amazing year. I talk about all the lessons that we learned also in that course. And um, you can look for that coming soon. Like I said, it should be available in mid-March. And um, if you're listening to the podcast, the podcast is now available on many different streaming apps. It's over there on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, Google Play, wherever you're listening it, listening to it. I would love for you to rate and review the podcast if that, if this has blessed you in any way, because that just helps me get my message out there to more people. Um, also, in March, I'll be speaking at the Teach Them Diligently conference in Rogers, Arkansas. I am so looking forward. That's like one of my favorite, favorite conferences. Arkansas people are amazingly friendly, and I love it there. So we are headed over there March 21st to the 23rd. In April, I will be in Waco, Texas, and in May, I'll be in Denver, Colorado. I'm going to link all that information as well on the podcast episode webpage. And until the next time, I wish you blessings and joy.